Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take over, taking over. Our confessions of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. Y'all shout it. Hallelujah. Remain standing. Remain standing. If you will, go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Again, happy Father's Day to every father in the house. Hallelujah. We appreciate you and salute you today. Uh, today, throughout the message, of course, you know you can tweet me at Bishop Foreman throughout the teaching today. You tweet me, I'll retweet your tweet. You can also tweet to at harvest underscore cc. Second Samuel chapter 11. Just give me a little bit more monitor. Second Samuel 11 verse 1. Y'all got it? Y'all don't speak English? Y'all getting there? Second Samuel chapter 11. Who still needs some time? Say, hold on, Bishop. No, hold on. So y'all got Second Samuel 11. I don't hear nobody saying nothing. Y'all got 2 Samuel 11. Touch your neighbor. Say, don't play with him. (laughs) 2 Samuel 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings were supposed to go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. So it was the time when David was supposed to go out and fight battles that kings fought, but he decided to stay home. You got to be careful when you're supposed to be out fighting and you decide to retreat. Touch the neighbor, say, don't get caught off duty. Because every time you're supposed to be out fighting and you decide to stay home and retreat, all of a sudden there's a setup. And here comes the setup, verse 2 for David. He wasn't where he was supposed to be like he knew he was supposed to be there. So chapter, verse 2, then it happened. Mm-hmm. Just happened, Bishop. Then it happened. One evening that David rose from his bed, it was in the middle of the night. Freaks come out at night. 
and walked on the roof of the king's house. He ain't got no business being on the roof in the middle of the night. And from the roof, watch this, because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. From the roof, he sees a woman bathing. And coincidentally, the woman was very beautiful to behold. Wasn't that something? He couldn't find no ugly duckling that night. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and somebody said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So now he knows she's a what? Married woman. And he also knows her husband. Verse 4, then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. Talking about her time of the month. Uh, And she returned to her house. All because of verse 1. Because when he was supposed to be out fighting, he decided to stay home. Touch your neighbor again, say, don't be caught off duty. And guess just what happened, just like an episode of the Maury Povich show. And the woman conceived. And then she went and told David and said, I'm having your baby. David was like, it ain't mine. Bathsheba was like, look at his eyes. Maury, these are his eyes. Look at these eyes, Maury. I ain't doing nobody else, even though I'm married. He the only one. Go to verse 11. And Uriah said to David, so now check this out. Not only does he know the husband, the husband serves David. And Uriah said to David, the ark and the Israel uh, and Judah are dwelling in twins. And my Lord Joab and my servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. So I go to my house and eat and, eat and drink and lie, to my, and lie with my wife. As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. So Uriah was out fighting that battle that David was supposed to be at. So then they come, David sends and has Uriah to come. And as Uriah co- comes, he, he, he said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, listen, you're the king and I'm loyal to you. I'm going to help somebody. He says, I'm loyal to you, king, and so uh, I'm here. We got a battle going on, so I'll see her when I see her. I'll do all that when I do that, but, but no, I ain't been to see her. David was trying to cover his tracks. Oh, it's, it's going to be a little rough about the first 10 minutes. That's all right. Verse 13, now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. All because of verse 1. Now, now, now David's got to go cover up his mess. So he gets this loyal servant of his, Uriah, drunk. And that evening when he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. So, so Uriah still ain't been back to see about Bathsheba because he was so loyal to David. Watch verse 14. In the morning, it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of the man he got drunk the night before. And he wrote in the letter saying, put Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and then retreat from him that he can be struck down and die. Uh, so it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, what's her name? Bathsheba, she mourned for her husband. And then look at verse 27. And then after her 30-day mourning went over, David said, come on and move in with me. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. 
Father, I pray that you would testimize and customize and take this word and speak into this place. <laughs> Breathe on this word that we might be in a greater understanding of those things that you've ordained for us to do. On this day, as we celebrate fathers, as we deal with this message today, Father, I pray that people will be loosed from negative coping mechanisms. And I pray that people would step into the totality and the fullness of their identity in this place. Speak, Jesus. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Encourage somebody next to you and say, neighbor, you may or may not know this, but you are the eighth seed. You can be seated. Oftentimes when we read the Bible, we forget that these were real men and women that lived and that walked on this earth. Uh, the story in 2 Samuel 11 is quite intriguing because we find King David, whom the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, acting in quite a lascivious and scandalous way. Uh, this is the same David that was the promulgator of praise, prayer, and worship. Yet he set up this man Uriah to be murdered because of his illicit relationship with Bathsheba. Now the question must be asked, what would cause David to act this way? And it is a one-word answer, and the word is rejection oh yes I said rejection uh, we have all experienced rejection at some point or another from someone that we wanted to accept this whether it was a father whether it was a mother whether it was a brother a sister a relationship we have all experienced rejection touch your neighbor say even you David, we find out, was rejected by his father, Jesse, in 1 Samuel 16. We're not going to flip there, but you can study it in your own time. When David was a teenager, Samuel, who was the man of God, came to this to their house in order to anoint a new king to replace the incumbent king, Saul. And Jesse presented all of his sons to David. Well, all seven of his sons to David, all of the seven sons that he accepted. The problem was, is Jesse didn't only have seven sons. He had eight sons. But there was an eighth son named David. He was the eighth seed. I'm going to help somebody in here. But the problem was, Jesse didn't even think that David, the eighth seed, even belonged in front of the man of God or Samuel when he came. So just imagine how he felt knowing that all of his other brothers were perceived to be good enough. But he wasn't even invited into the house for the meeting. Can we work this for just a moment? Just, we cannot forget that this was a real man who, who, who walked this earth and, and he had real feelings. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we see these sometimes as abstract stories and, and abstract fables. But the truth of the matter is, is this man walked the earth. And on one day when they're having a meeting and the man of God's coming. And whenever the man of God came, it was a big deal. Uh, it was a big deal in that society as it should be a big deal today. Uh, it was a big deal. So they didn't just come and let him in the back door. No, they would have a grand entrance. It was a big occasion. People would put on their Sunday's finest. You know, they put on their Sunday his best. They wanted to look good as they presented themselves before the man of God. And all seven of Jesse's sons that Jesse accepted are in the house and they're getting ready, man. I mean, they're they trying to figure out which tie goes. You know, they didn't have ties, but just will y'all work with me? They're trying to figure out which, you know, which, which tie is going to go best with the shoes. They're trying to figure out which to lead is going to best complement their socks. You know what I'm trying to figure 
that they were trying to get themselves in just the right presentation because when Samuel, the man of God, saw them, he wa- they wanted to make sure that they set the best impression. And it's interesting because that morning when they got up and they're talking, and you know how brothers do, man, so what you going to do? Man, no, I'm going to be the king. Nah, man, what you talking about? Man, I'm going to be the king. They're going back and forth, and David's sitting over in the corner, and David's wondering to himself, but what y'all talking about? I don't know who coming. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. daddy must didn't just tell me yet. He just was, uh, he was just, he, he, no, because he was asleep when I went in. He didn't get a chance to talk to me last night. That's why he didn't say nothing to me. Imagine how he felt when all of the lights are going on at the house and the big celebrations going on because the man of God is coming to the house. Imagine how he felt. If it was modern times, he had his iPod on with his earphones in. And he's over there tending to the sheep. And he's over there dealing with the sheep. And he's over there messing with the sheep. And he's over there just singing his song and just think, just, just doing his thing. And then he turns and he glances and he says, well, nobody's invited me in yet. Maybe, 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 maybe they forgot about me. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm not old enough to even be considered. Maybe, maybe there's a lot of maybes that went through David's mind. The problem with rejection, whether it's perceived or real, is that it creates unnecessary questions because now David's trying to wonder, well, what's wrong with me? What, 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 what's, what's, what's wrong with me? Why, why was I not invited in? Why, why did I not get the opportunity to even be considered? Listen, I don't even have to be in the runnings for king. Why can't I even be in the house? See, see, it's not even about being considered for the kingship. It's about, well, I couldn't even be, I could have served a man of God some hors d'oeuvres. You know what I'm saying? I could have gave him some lamb blankets or something. You know what I'm saying? Lamb's in a blanket. <laughs> lamb in a blanket. Can't have lambs in a blanket. He wasn't even allowed in the house. And, and it is in this situation that we see the origin of rejection. Say rejection. Mismanaged rejection is the source of unnecessary failure in life because it makes people act out without regard for consequences. That's called coping. So how do you spell relief when you've been rejected? Some people spell it with addiction. They get addicted to substances. They get addicted to things they see on their computer screen. They get addicted to hearing people tell them how wonderful they are. They get addicted to something because rejection requires some kind of input. Rejection is a subtraction. So subtraction requires some form of addition in order to cope for the subtraction that was given. And so people develop coping mechanisms. And so some people, some people, they cope. They cope by having a nasty attitude. They're Their nasty attitude is their way to keep from anybody uh, ever stepping into this realm of rejection that they've entered into. And so when you say hello to them, they've got nasty written all over their face. They've got attitude written all over them because the truth of the matter is, is they really want you to accept them. But because they've been rejected, they won't even give you the opportunity to reject them. Because one of the things rejection does is rejection says, everybody else I meet in the future, I'll reject you before you even get an opportunity to reject me. And so now you can have many people around you but still feel lonely because there's a seed of rejection that has been mismanaged. Some people, some people, they spell relief. You weren't expecting this on a Sunday morning, huh? Uh, Some people, some people, they spell relief when they cope with rejection through depression. 
they have these bouts where they're feeling great all, and then all of a sudden they go into a deep, dark depression because now the feeling of rejection begins to rear its head again. And so uh, the way of coping with it is their body now begins to deal with it. The truth of the matter is a lot of sicknesses that uh, people face and, uh, and deal with in life are sicknesses that are caused as a result of emotional dysfunction. So because there's an emotional dysfunction, now their body's responding. So their body now is putting on weight or their body's losing weight. Their body's breaking out an acne or folliculitis or some other sort. There's all of these kind of external reactions that come from rejection. Y'all still here? Are y'all still here? Some people, they deal with rejection by having a negative self-image. Every time they see themselves, they see everything they're not rather than everything that they are. And you know people that have a negative self-image because anyone they get around that has a positive self-image, they are determined to break it down. And you'll see parents sometimes that have been rejected begin to do this with their children. Their children will walk in, but mama, how do I look? Well, I don't know. Well, you know, rather than trying to do something constructive, they'll say something negative because they have a negative self-image and they could not fathom the thought of you possibly enjoying yourself. Some people cope. Are y'all all right? I'm going to preach it whether you are or you aren't. Some people, they cope with rejection through being needy. They become leeches, and we discovered in the scripture that leeches have two daughters. Give me and give me some more. They're needy. They suck the life out of everybody they're around. You see this play out oftentimes in marital relationships with a woman that's been rejected. She becomes needy. And so every few moments, well, what are you doing? Well, where are you going? Well, what is going on? Well, tell me, did you like my son? Well, why didn't you tell me you like my hair this morning? Well, why didn't you tell me you like my shoes this morning? Well, why did you tell Well, tell yourself that you, but you can't do it when you've got a seed of rejection. And so she clings. And this happens for men as well, for men as well, for men as well. They cling and they they need all the time to constantly be told this and to constantly be told that because there's a seed of rejection there. And they'll get in bad relationships, relationships that they know are bad for them and toxic for them. But they'll get in them because at least every now and again they feel accepted. That's how some people cope, some people cope, some people cope. Some people cope with rejection through being promiscuous. They, they jump from bed to bed in a hope to find acceptance, only to discover that they're less empty after the experience than they were prior to the experience. Because what they've done is created a vacuum that can never be fulfilled. I'm talking to somebody in this place today. How do you spell relief when you've been rejected? Because everybody's coping with some form of rejection. And the problem is David mismanaged the rejection from his father. And he started spelling relief in all the wrong ways. Watch this. The crazy part is the Bible doesn't record whether he ever asked his father why. He had to have wondered why. He's a human being. Human being's favorite question is why. Parents, you tell your children they can't do thus and so. You're going to discover a human being's favorite question. Why? Son, don't go over there. Why? And then when you get frustrated enough as a parent, you stop trying to rationalize it and you just say, Because I said so. I ain't giving you no reason why. Just because I said, now sat down somewhere. Or some misunderstanding around here. David had to have wondered, Daddy, why? 
why did you not even invite me into the house? Why? Why did you not? You didn't even tell me that the man of God was coming. I had a card I made for him in King's Kids. And I wanted to bring it to him, but you, you didn't even tell me why. The Bible doesn't record that he ever had this conversation with his father. And here's the truth of the matter. Sometimes the why matters. But sometimes the why doesn't matter. In David's case, the why didn't, did not matter because of what his father's name meant. Watch this. Let me help somebody. Jesse, David's father, the name Jesse means God's gift. Okay, I can see we're going to need to help everybody out here. That's your neighbor say, Jesse means God's gift. In essence, the rejection that David received from Jesse was not designed for there to be a substantive response to why. The rejection that David experienced from Jesse was supposed to be a gift to David. Because sometimes rejection is direction. And sometimes rejection is protection. Jesse's rejection of David was supposed to be a gift to David. But David mismanaged it. And the issue is not what happens to you. The issue is how you manage or how you deal with that. Because I'm going to tell you, you live long enough, you're going to have some good days. And baby, you're going to have some bad days. You're going to have some days where you're on top of the mountain. And you're going to have some days where you feel like you're underneath the valley. The issue is not what happens to you. The issue is what do you do with what happens to you? That's why Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles or defines him. It is what comes out of a man that defiles or defines him. And because David mismanaged what was supposed to be a gift, he now has created this series of events in life that the Bible says it displeases God. So much so to the point that the scripture records, and theologians will debate it, because some theologians say God didn't allow David to build the temple for him because he was a man that fought in war. But there's one scripture that's very telling, and it says not only was David a man of war, but he shed innocent blood. Which suggests that God says, David, I'm not going to let you do what your life's ambition was because of what you did to Uriah. But you never would have did what you did to Uriah had you properly managed your rejection, which was supposed to be a gift to you. But because you mismanaged it, it became a curse to you. The very things that can become blessing to us and the very things that become, become good things to us, if we mismanage them, they can now become curses or empowerments to fail to us. Let me give you an example because some of you are looking at me quite confused. A parent can give aid and assistance to their child, uh, which is a good thing. That's a good thing. It's a blessing to be able to have a parent that can provide aid and support and assistance to a child. But when that aid, support, and assistance now becomes a mechanism for the child to never have to grow up and take responsibility for their own actions what was supposed to be a blessing is now an empowerment to fail i wish i had somebody here david's rejection was supposed to be a gift to him but he mismanaged it 
And we don't know the extent of Jesse's relationship with David, nor exactly why David was omitted from the meeting with the man of God. But we know that it affected David by the decisions that he made later on in life. When rejection, y'all all right? When rejection goes, somebody saying, Bishop, why are you preaching this on Father's Day? Because for many of you, yes, you have great fathers to celebrate in your life. And for many of you, th- 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 this, is, this is almost like having an anniversary on, on the date of the most painful thing that you could imagine. Because as we just watched in the video and the trailer there, for, 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 for a vast majority of our culture, there is the absence of a father. Or worse, there's the presence of an absentee father. You missed what I just said. I uh, See, it's one thing to have never known him and for him to have never been there. It's another thing for him to be there every day but still not be there. Because he's so busy coping with his rejection, he can't help you get through nothing. Somebody say, preach, Bishop. When rejection goes in, it normally comes out as a functional dysfunction. Did you hear that? When rejection comes in, it normally comes out as a functional dysfunction. And the thing, let me explain that to you. It's things that we do that we know don't work, but we keep doing them as if they do. That's a functional dysfunction. You know it don't work, but you keep doing it as if it works. Should I give you an example? Let me give you an example because an example was sought. You know, good and doggone well, that setting yourself up to go to the gym at 530 in the morning does not work. Because you know every time that alarm clock goes off, you're going to negotiate with it. You're going to rebuke it. You're going to bind it. You're going to cuss it out. You're going to rip it out the wall. You're going to get mad at the alarm clock company and start, see, this is why I don't do. You know that's not going to work for you. But it becomes a functional dysfunction because you'll do it every day. And get mad at it like it wasn't supposed to go off. Functional dysfunction. You know there are certain people that every time they come in your life, all they do is steal, kill, and destroy. They are the thief in John 10, 10. Please understand, that's not talking about the devil. That's talking about folk. They are the thief. They come to steal and to kill and destroy. And you already know that, but you somehow keep letting them in your life. And you get mad at them when they do what they're there to do. That's like getting mad at a car thief. Man, you stole my car. That's what they do. And you let people in your life that still killing this. I can't help it. Yes, you can. The problem is you just think that's the only way you can get accepted. Oh, I'm going to help set somebody free today. Somebody's going to walk out of this place free of rejection today. Somebody's going to walk out of this place loose from their coping mechanism today. So David, David now makes some decisions in life that clearly illustrate to us his root of rejection. His functional dysfunction. So you want to know how David copes? Now, now, let me be clear. This is the same David, and I'm not beating him up. I'm just telling you his story. This is the same David that says, the Lord is with me. He's my shepherd. He, he, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. This is the same David that said, I bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is the same David that said, touch out my anointed and do my prophet. No, this is the same David that wrote 95% of the songs we sing today. 
But because this David never dealt with his rejection issues properly, David sets in the sequence some actions. And this is how he starts to cope. The first way that David begins to cope, we see, we see in this particular story, is he copes with sexual addiction. Because in those moments, it makes him feel accepted. The truth of the matter is, most people don't know this about David. David had several different children with several different women. He had a sexual addiction. Because for him, the only times he ever felt accepted was in those moments of physical intimacy. Not that he even enjoyed them, but just in those moments, it gave him the feeling of acceptance. That's what promiscuous behavior is. It's not that you even enjoy it. It's just that in those moments, you feel accepted. And so you do what you are trying to accomplish. You want acceptance, so you do whatever you feel you can do to receive acceptance. And the problem is, and this is why fathers, men, you got to understand our role is so important. And fathers, our role is so important because we have a generation of girls and a generation of young ladies that are being brought up, but they're not being brought up given identity. They're not being brought up told that there's something and there's something special. And so the only way they feel special is when they lay down with Craig and Day Day Neal. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. And, and so that's the only time they feel accepted because daddy never told them they're accepted. But I charge every man of God in this place today, you go home and you tell your daughters you are beautiful. And you are something. You special to me. David copes through sexual addiction. Several children with several different women. And here's the interesting thing. Because David never dealt with it. Watch the sins of the fathers. Watch the generational curse. By the time it gets to Solomon, it's a thousand times worse. Solomon had 700 wives. Listen, no technology. How did they schedule that? No Outlook, no iPods, no, no Apple iPhone. How did they schedule 700 wives? Oh, no, just the wives. And he had 300 girlfriends, concubines. Just imagine, the, that, no wonder why he was the richest man in the Bible, but often we don't tell you why he was the richest man in the Bible. He, 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 he taxed the people more highly than anybody else. No wonder why he was crazy and all that, because he's trying to please everybody. She need a new purse. She need to get her hair done on Friday. She need to get her nails done. I'm going to need some more taxes. Y'all got to bring the money. Come on. <laughs> By the time it gets to Solomon, it's worse, way worse. And you want to know what's sad about it? Because Solomon wasn't taught how to do it. That's why you got to take a teaching like today. I'm going to shout you in just a moment. We're going to shout in just a moment because you've been real somber. I'm going to shout you in just a moment. We're going to have church in just a moment. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to have church in just a moment. I hate that saying. Let's have church. I am the church. So you mean let's have some me? I don't understand what you're saying. But church for y'all love that. Yeah, let's have church. Let's have church. Solomon was never taught how to deal with it. See, that's why you got to appreciate a message like this. See, my gift as an apostle is I like to deal with roots. So I, I got to deal with the root issue. I can paint your fruit, but it's going to grow back next week. I'm going to deal with the root issue. Touch somebody, say the root. Now, here's the deal. David was rejected. He becomes addicted sexually. Watch this. Gets to Solomon. Thousand times worse. Check this out. It gets so bad for Solomon. Solomon says the only reason he doesn't want to die is because his crazy sons are going to take over. 
Solomon declares, he says, I do not want to die. He says, and the reason I don't want to die is because I'm afraid of what's over there. He said, no, that's not the reason. The reason is these crazy, these crazy, they're going to take over. David didn't manage it. Solomon can't contain it. It makes Solomon hate his offspring. Say generational. See, see, see. So that's why you got to understand you are the curse breaker in your bloodline. You, you're, you're, you're the boundary eraser in your bloodline. You, you, you're the game changer in your bloodline. And I'm here to tell somebody you may have made a lot of mistakes already, but if you'll take a hold of this word, I'm trying to minister to you today. And you make a decision that it ends today. I'm here to tell you it will end and change for you today. David becomes addicted to sexual intimacy in order to help cope with his feelings of rejection. But that's not all he does, because then secondly, he becomes a womanizer. It's quiet in this church. Let me say it another way. A manizer. I'm not quite sure uh, if that's in Webster's official, but it is in the Harvest version. He abused kindness and mercy. And took advantage of it. I said, Bishop, what do you mean he's a womanizer? You just read it in 2 Samuel 11. He's out supposed to be fighting a battle. The inner freak in him wakes up in the middle of the night. Because he's got rejection. See, freakish stuff comes from rejection. I had time for that. I had time for that. I had time for that. It got real quiet right there. Uh, uh, uh. He gets up in the middle of the night. He starts walking on the roof. Yes, he's king. He's got on his robes, a couple lions on either side of him. And then he starts looking and he sees Bathsheba. He abuses his position of power as king and now takes advantage of this woman. He becomes a womanizer. See, a womanizer just means or manizer or a friendizer or a pastorizer. Let me make it better. A bishopizer. All you are is somebody that abuses mercy and kindness because you've been rejected. And so the only way you know how to receive love is by creating the feeling of rejection for somebody else. And in your twisted chemistry of doing things, to you it makes sense. Because I'm going to get them. Before they even get a chance to get me. It's quiet in the church. I'm going to shout you in a minute. But thirdly, David copes by becoming a deceiver. You know what a deceiver is, right? What is that? I don't hear nobody. A liar. Liar, liar. Can't even jump over. Cat five. 21st century. We don't use telephone. He becomes a deceiver. Bishop, what do you mean he becomes a deceiver? He sets up Uriah to be murdered. You, 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 you read that with me, right? He, 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 watch this. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. Say mighty men. Which means he was loyal to David even when everyone else had turned against him. 
And David would have rather lived with the guilt of being responsible for Uriah's death than have dealt with Uriah's rejection of him for who he really was. I'm going to say that again. David would rather have lived with the guilt of being responsible for Uriah's death than have dealt with Uriah's rejection of him for who he really was. It was in 2 Samuel 11 that God says, I'm setting up this test for you, David, because here's the deal. You can deal with your seed of rejection once and for all by having a simple and honest conversation with Uriah and say, Uriah, you've been loyal to me and I owe you the truth. But he would have rather dealt with the grief of murdering a man then have had to feel rejected by the man if he found out who he really was. It's quiet in this church. I've seen this manifest in spiritual sons and daughters. I said, I've seen this manifest in spiritual sons and daughters. I've seen this manifest in harvests. I've seen this manifest in a whole bunch of people. They'd much rather kill you then have to deal with the possibility of being rejected by you. They'd much rather lie on you than much rather have to deal with the feeling of rejection by you. That's what deception does. Isn't that something? He, he would have much rather killed the man than had an honest conversation with the man who had been loyal to him. See, rejection often makes you Bruise those that love you the most. Rejection often makes you mistreat those that do you right. See, Heavy D just said, do me right. That's all he wanted was to be done right. But when you've got a seed of rejection, your mama trying to help you and you, you fighting her all the way through. I'm going to talk to somebody. Somebody trying to help you and you fight them the whole way. Because your seed of rejection makes you a deceiver. David could have just said, Uriah, hey man, I messed up. I should have been out there fighting. I stayed at home off duty. And because I was off duty, I got into some... Y'all supposed to be sanctified people. (laughs) sanctified consecrated dedicated motivated y'all supposed to be he didn't want to do that you know why he wouldn't do that because his rejection had created pride so now he thinks he's too good to tell the truth I'm the king he forgot how he got there though it was because these mighty men like Uriah defended him And fought for him. He could have had one simple, honest conversation. And he would have dealt with his rejection. You know how you conquer rejection? You conquer it. You know how you do that? You expose it. What's exposed could now be corrected. When you go to the doctor... The doctor, uh, uh, and you said, doctor, I'm having some pain over here. I'm almost through. I'm going to shout you just a moment. Uh, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, 
Well, where is it hurting? Uh, over here. And he said, Doc, it's hurting up here. Now, wouldn't you look at the doctor crazy if he started checking your toe? Like, now, doctor, maybe you didn't understand what I said when, when I came in. I said, it hurts over here. I says, when the doctor identifies the source of your pain, he can now give the right prognosis in order to correct your pain. So many people are trying to treat pain that's up here in their big toe. And the problem is, that don't have nothing to do with what's going on up here. I'm going to help somebody understand what I'm saying. One simple, honest conversation with Uriah, a man that had been loyal to him, a man that had been faithful to him, could have dealt with David's rejection forever. But he didn't do that. And you want to know the crazy thing about it? Say the eighth seed. Say it like I mean to say the eighth seed. Now remember, David's the what? The eighth seed. There were seven brothers that came in that, that, that went before him. And the scripture says that God had rejected all seven from being king. But when he sees David, he says to the man of God, this is the one. Touch your neighbor say, you are the one. Because David's name, despite all of his rejection issues, you know what his name means? Beloved. God, I'm going to help somebody in here. He was rejected by his natural father, but he was beloved by his heavenly father. You are the eighth seed, and you're loved by your heavenly father. I, that's the whole message. You, you're the eighth seed, and you're loved. Touch somebody say, you're loved. And in this house, you're loved by your spiritual father. See, the number eight means new beginning, which means today. Somebody shout today. Be loose from your negative coping mechanism and make today a new beginning because when you know you're accepted, you stop doing things to perform. When you know that you are accepted, you stop doing things to perform and to prove. You do them because you are. Did you hear what I just said? You stop doing things to perform and to prove. You do things because you are. And, and, and David, he's, he's the eighth seed. God says, David, I've rejected your brothers from being king. I don't want none of them. They look like they're supposed to be king. They look like they're supposed to be somebody. I'm not interested in them. I'm interested in you, David. And I use this rejection, David. It was supposed to be a gift to you. What do you mean a gift? I was giving you direction. I was giving you protection. But David, I, 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 I was teaching you what not to be. You missed what I just said. It was supposed to be a gift to you, David, but you mismanaged it. And because you mismanaged it, you have created a lifetime movie. Kings on the Roof. I mean, this is one, like the miniseries. You got to break this out over like eight weeks on Sunday night from like, you know, from like seven to nine, two hours each night, you know. This, this is a full-blown movie here. This is a full-blown scandal that you created, David, all because you would not just be honest and say, I felt rejected. Uriah, I apologize. I was wrong. I had been coping like this for years. 
Because see, Jesse wasn't the only one to reject him. Saul rejected him also. That's a whole other thing. I don't have time for that. Read your Bible. He, he comes into a place where Saul now is, is supposed to stand in the stead and teach him how to be a king. But because Saul's dealing with rejection issues. See, the scripture says God had rejected him from being king because of his disobedience. So now Saul's dealing with rejection issues. So now Saul rejects David. So much so that when David's in Saul's presence, he's throwing javelins and spears in him, trying to kill him. And what I love about David is that at least he had enough sense to be loyal. Even after Saul tried to kill him, he said, well, I've been assigned to you, so you can try to kill me. I'll just play behind this glass partition here, but I'm going to be in here playing. Your enemies reveal to you your gifting. Your enemies reveal to you where you've been graced. It's not your friends. It's not your family. They love you the way you are. What reveals to you what makes you unique, what makes you different, what gives you grace, what gives you a, what, what make, where you're gifted, what reveals that to you is an enemy. Rejection often reveals to you what you're supposed to correct. Did you hear what I just said? See, some of you, some of you, can we be honest now? Can, can we get, now this, this is the teary-eyed portion of the message. Can we be honest? Some, some of you, you rejected by your father. Some of you, you wouldn't know him if he's sitting next to you now. And so subconsciously, you have this seed of rejection running through you because you got all these questions. Some of you, some of you, you rejected by your mother. And, 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 and maybe you know her, but you felt like you never knew her. And because of the seed of rejection that's there, you, 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 you act crazy. And now that I've talked about this, you've discovered that you got some coping you've been doing, and you didn't even know you were coping. Some of you have been rejected by a brother or a sister or a relative or somebody that you wanted so badly to be accepted by. When you were growing up, you did everything they wanted you to do because you wanted to be accepted by them to only grow up and discover that the truth is they didn't really have nothing and still ain't got nothing. But the truth is, is there's a part of you that still wants to be accepted by nothing. Tell somebody say, he's preaching. See, I ain't even got to holler at you to preach. I ain't even got to do this to preach to you. He, 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 for, for some of you, you, you were rejected. It was a relational rejection, and you started telling people they were your everything to only discover that to, you, that to them you were nothing. And so you, you put all of your eggs in a basket to only have scrambled eggs at the end of the day. And... And so you're dealing with this root of rejection. And so anybody you come in contact with, you got this root of rejection. So you overperform now because you don't want them to walk out too. Some parents, you, you're dealing with roots of rejection from your children because you want so badly for them to accept you because you never really had a good relationship with your parents. And so now you want so badly to be accepted by your children that you're performing for them. You're trying to be performed, uh, trying to be accepted by the thing that you're supposed to bring acceptance to. But you want so badly to be accepted that, that you let your children run all over you and make a mockery of you. Because you want to be accepted by them. It's the truth. And it is the truth that we know that makes us free. So here's the message. Here's the message. Here's the message. It's real simple. Somebody said, Bishop, what is point one of how to get free? There isn't one. 
It's right here. You are accepted. Hear me. You are accepted. I'm going to say it until I believe you get it in your spirit. You are accepted. That's the message. What about my problems? You are accepted. He know you got problems. That's why he sent you up in here so we can fix them problems. And if you be here often enough, I can help you get them problems together. And not just be here physically, but be here spiritually. Because some of you are here physically and you might as well just not even come. As you come in here and be like, this is good for my neighbor, Bishop. Preach to my wife, Bishop. Preach to my husband. Tell him. I'm talking to you. That's your neighbor say he's talking to you. But Bishop, I made some big mistakes. I know. But you are accepted. Your heavenly father accepts you. And in this house, I can't speak for anybody else. But in this house, your spiritual father accepts you. Somebody say, Bishop, how do I know you accept me? We ain't put you out yet, have we? <laughs> the Bible says I got full right to bust a move. <laughs> we still let you in the door, don't we? You're accepted. That's the message. You're accepted. Well, Bishop, I never met him. It doesn't really matter. You're accepted. You're accepted. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, I am accepted. Whatever rejection... I've experienced. I receive it as a Jesse, as a gift. Because I know that I am accepted. Everybody stand on your feet. When you know that you are accepted, it removes the undue and unnecessary burdens that performing to be accepted produce. You just be. Be what? A king. Be a priest. Be a champion. Be a lion killer. Be a lion chaser. Be on the A-team. Be a starter. Be a game changer. Be a harvester. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed very quickly. Today, maybe you're here and the acceptance you need is, is you need to accept him. The issue is not whether or not God will accept you. The issue is will you accept him? Maybe you're in this worship experience or you're watching online or you're in this place and you need to accept him.
accept what he did for you 2,000 years ago on Calvary when he gave his life for you. If you need to do that, today's your day to do that. But maybe secondly, you're here and you've given your life to Jesus, but the truth of the matter is you've been running from him and you've been running from him because you found out today you had a rejection problem. And so you figure before God rejects you because he knows the truth about you, you'd reject him. But can I tell you the truth of the matter is he knew the truth about you the first day you came to him. And he knows the truth about you right now. And in spite and despite that truth, you are accepted. Now, when you come to him, come just as you are. So many people get overwhelmed because they're trying to be super Christian overnight. Let's start with the basics. That's where you start. Don't give your life to Jesus today and talk about Bishop. I was in prayer for 15 hours tonight. That's too much if you just got saved. You don't even know what to say. <laughs> Start with the basics. If you're online and one of those is you, you need to accept him. Or number two, you need to rededicate yourself to him. I got good news for you on this Father's Day. The Father of all fathers. The Father of every living thing. He accepts you. That's good news. I said that's good news. And if you need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself to him on the count of three, I want you to throw your hand down. And even if you've done this before and you need to be sure, be sure. There's nothing wrong with being sure. Don't let like what happened today, but your pride keep you from having this one conversation we need to have with God. Because the moment you raise your hand, we're going to have a conversation with God on your behalf. If you need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself to him on this Father's Day, why don't you just accept your Heavenly Father today on the count of three. Throw that hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand up. I see you. Keep it up. I see you. Keep it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're celebrating you. We're celebrating you. We're celebrating you. You are accepted. I said you are accepted. Everybody say this. Let me say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe what the word of God says. I believe what the Bible says. I am accepted. I believe that God sent Jesus to die in my place and because of this belief and because of this confession if this is my first time praying this or if I was far from God I am born again I accept for the first time I make a decision not to respond with rejection but acceptance in Jesus name somebody ought to give God a shout in this place Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. 
Oh, come on now. You know you deserve it. A steak patty on any McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I mean any breakfast sandwich. Biscuit, McMuffin, bagel, McGriddles, a juicy steak patty on any breakfast sandwich. And when you order through the app, buy one and get one free. Now go get them. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. 